0: Hey everybody, it's me, Matt Tinney, and I'm all alone for this podcast. We're going to be playing a lecture from the CIT Knowledge Network after this, and it's going to be a lecture on suicide by cop. Unfortunately, it seems to be a growing trend. Um, I do get Google alerts for any kind of suicide by cop or suicide by law enforcement throughout the United States or anything that Google collects in its web searches, and it seems to be um, common, it's no longer something that, uh, was odd or unheard of. And so if you don't currently train it in your department, I would recommend to to start looking at that and figure out different ways of approaches and things that you guys need or do not need. Or is there any kinds of signs of a potential suicide by cop or someone wanting to end their lives um, by law enforcement? This talk has a lot of interesting stats, a lot of interesting research that has, uh, definitely changed my opinion on suicide by cop and possibly how to approach it, including um, the potential for injury of bystanders. It has really gone up there. This will be the podcast starting the Monday right before the CIT International Conference. If any of you guys are listening or headed out there, please stop by. um, Say hi to me. Let me know that you guys are listening to the podcast and what you guys would like to hear. If you guys are there, stop by. I think um, we will be presenting On the 16th and the 17th, that should be Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be presenting Wednesday at 9.45 a.m. to 10.45, and and another time at 11 to 12. And then Thursday, we're going to be at 1.30 p.m. and at 2.45 p.m. So we'll be at four different um, presentations. We're going to be talking about CIT programs after Department of Justice. We're going to be doing a review of the seven active listening skills. And looking at some some data on CIT, and is it better when officers are on the scene? We're also going to be talking about the CIT Knowledge Network on another one. Um, if if you're curious about the Knowledge Network and you kind of want to see more about it, what it's all about, definitely stop by there. And again, if you're listening, it's free to anyone in public safety or anyone that's a CIT responder. Just send a, uh, myself or Jen Earhart an email. Jen's email is j-e-a-r-h-e-a-r-t at c-a-b-q.gov let her know that you're interested in it. As long as with these didactics that you guys are listening to on the podcast, they play them, um, on the members only on the website, which is gocit.org. And you can check out the, uh, video of these presenters and look at some of the data and the PowerPoints that they're presenting on. And also any of these, uh, didactics that we, uh, Play, you can get the PowerPoints on the website as well. They're free for anybody on there. You can go down, download them, um, review them there, use them in your own training, whatever you see fit. If you guys have PowerPoints that you think you would like to share any kind of uh, class material and you want us to put it up there, let me know. Send it in to me at uh, info at gocit.org and I'll put it up on the website. If you have anything that you want about your program, about your CIT stats, Um, flyers, anything like that, or contact for your local area, let me know. I'll put it on there. The website has a great search engine. I just have to enter stuff into it, and if you want it public, let me know. If you want it private, let me know, and it won't go in the search engine. It's a great uh, resource. I really want to build on that, make it available for anyone looking for CIT programs or free training, anything like that, that they have access to it. So, again, we'll be at CIT International, so it'll be fun. This will be the next podcast will probably be for the next two weeks. And then I'll start back up after that because I'll be gone again. Stop by, say hello to us. If you guys see it, it'll be myself. Niels will be out there. Um, Lawrence Saavedra, and Peter Winograd. It's going to be fun and interesting on it again. Enjoy the lecture. It's about suicide by cop. You know, it's a, it's a touchy subject, but it's important to have. If you guys aren't currently doing it, Think about doing some training either in roll call and your briefing in your own squads or department wide. If you guys are interested in different ways to approach this or different training kind of stuff to do, send us an email ask at gocit.org. Awesome, enjoy the podcast. Bye.
1: All right. Thank you all um, for giving me this time to to speak with you today a little bit about suicide by cop. Um, it's not something that's pretty widely discussed in psychiatric training. Um, also not too much information widely available in the medical literature, but there there was some really helpful information that that I was able to come across, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you all today. Um, you know, this is a pretty uh, emotionally charged subject, and you know I try to be cognizant of that and to leave out any type of language that, that's judgmental or tries to place blame on either the victim or other people involved in these type of incidents. Um, I apologize in advance if anything comes across as judgmental. Um, but that's not in any um, by any means the purpose of this talk. Um, so just going to quickly go over some objectives. All right, so. Um, Briefly, I'm going to talk a little bit about what makes an incident a suicide by cop. And we're going to watch one example that's available on YouTube, Um, discuss different hypothesized internal experiences of people who are suicidal to the point that they are considering something um, similar to an incident of suicide by cop. Um, so there's one article that looked at um, a number of cases um, over a span of about 10 to 12 years, which a lot of the information from this talk came from. So we'll talk briefly about that. And um, I'll also make that available electronically for anybody who would like to look into that in more detail. Um, and then briefly talk about distinguishing features about suicide-by-cop incidents. So if you're in the field, um, certain factors that you may be able to recognize are um, Based on past experiences. And then at the end, I'd briefly like to touch a little bit about um, the aftermath or the the negative effects that an incident like this can have, um, particularly on involved law enforcement agents. Hit me. Um, So, just in brief, um, suicide by cop. Um, a brief definition about this is that it's um, this is a situation in which there is an individual who deliberately places himself or other people, be it um, innocent bystanders or law enforcement, at grave risk in a manner that compels the use of deadly force by police. So deadly, deadly force, um, you know, is, is pretty much... Um, different types of firearms. And one of the articles that we'll talk about um, also will discuss less lethal types of force. Um, so we'll, we'll try to separate that out a little bit. And, you know, in psychiatry, I think one of the tendencies that that we've, we've had in this field is to try to classify certain situations under um, more broad categories. Um, so, you know, one, author tried to classify suicide by cop as a form of suicide by proxy. So that's when you use something else other than your own means um, to, to achieve suicide. So people that jump in front of um, a moving train, people that um, you know will jump into traffic um, in order to achieve that, their ultimate goal of completing suicide. So some factors that make these, these two scenarios similar is that they both have a high degree of lethal- lethality they require that the subject um, have a high level of intent. So this person is pretty resolute that dying is something that that you know they wish to do, and um, you know they'll consider these methods as foolproof, um, convenient, don't involve too much planning, um, and a lot of these situations are planned versus being impulsive, like we see sometimes. Um, another author that I came across was was talking about you know this, this idea of um, you know first they called it victim precipitated homicide and then they, they shied away from using the term victim because um, the, that one particular article was talking about the police officers more as a victim versus the person who's suiciding in this in this instance. So um, I'd like to take a second to, to play this video. Um, before we do start, just to let you know, um, I mean, it is a pretty emotionally charged video. Um, and um, so just sort of heads up before, before we play it. <clears throat>
0: Find out. Do we mute this okay, That looks like it popped up. Yep. I don't think it will. I don't know. Sorry, oh, I don't have the remote to that. Okay. So, Do we will mute these. No, that one's. Okay. So, you're saying put it down, put it down, put it down. for this guy's saying, I would just watch this early saying, fucking kill me, just kill me, shoot me now. Just do it, just do it. And he the cop says put it down, put it down. Really
1: mm-hmm. need the sound yeah. to work. What the it's going
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised at that.
1: Okay. Um, so this was just um, you know, one example of slats. A uh, suicide by cop incident. Um, so you can see that the the subject is armed with a firearm, and you know as soon as the police officer is approaching this individual, um, he does you know not seem to hesitate, um, and you know the the police officer is providing clear instructions to put the gun down. The subject is not even responding to that, and you know it, it escalates to the point that the um, The individual just refuses to put the gun down, the officer does try to intercept the firearm at one point, um, and then is able to, you know, luckily able to stop the subject from doing anything, either shooting himself, shooting the other officers, or hurting anybody else involved. Um, And so, you know... it's, uh, we'll make a lot of generalizations during this talk, and I think every situation is gonna be a little bit different, but these are some of the similarities that, that were found in, in some of these incidents. So, you know, internally, some of these individuals, they, they reported feeling either trapped, ashamed, in a situation that's pretty hopeless. Um, they felt very desperate, revengeful, or enraged, um, either before or during these suicide by cop incidents. And then there's a separate subset of individuals who um, are either attempting to seek notoriety, to assure lethality, to make sure that they're going to die during this incident, um, to save face, to send a particular message, or to evade moral responsibility. Um, and obviously not everything's going to fit into one of these categories, but these are just um, some general similarities um,
0: between some of these um, Situation. So evade moral responsibility, like, I was killed, I didn't kill myself, so I won't go to hell or pretty
1: Yeah, definitely. And and they do, there was a lot of mention of, you know, that religious responsibility, um, you know, thinking that, you know, if you make the officer the perpetrator, then you become the victim. And then there's not that that question of whether or not you're going to go to heaven or hell. Um, so it was, that was something that was seen in a lot of, a lot of the, the incidents. okay so um, a PhD psychologist from the UK proposed this integrated motivational volitional theory of suicide and this this theory isn't specific to suicide by cop but um, it, it is pertinent in some cases so they talk about three different phases that a person who is suicidal goes through so one of this the first stage is the pre motivational phase where you know the, the this person is just who they are biologically. They're in the environment that they're in, and they're experiencing certain life events. Those life events can be divorce, um, you know, getting behind on child support, losing the job, having financial difficulties. Um, but that person, um, in most cases, or in some cases, is um, either biologically pre-wired to have some sort of mood disorder, like depression or bipolar disorder, um, some sort of substance use disorder, and then possibly in an environment that's that's not conducive to, to healthy Behaviors, um, so there's this diathesis, an environment, and life events. So the suicidal ideation hasn't necessarily um, brewed in this phase, and then as they move into the motivational phase, um, the what marks the beginning of this phase is the actual suicidal ideation to where people, you know, a person feels suicidal, um, or that maybe they'd be better off dead, or that life isn't worth living anymore. And this motivational phase ends with the development of a plan. So coming up with strategies that they might be able to suicide with. Um, So, you know, the intent to die appears at this stage, but that plan is not yet set in motion. And so this tends to be the phase where a lot of the police contact usually takes place. Um, And we'll sort of talk about why that's important um, a little later on the talk. And then um, moving past the motivational phase is the volitional phase. So this is, you know, the danger zone. Um, the window for in- intervention is closing during this last volitional phase because an individual has, you know, this resolute commitment to to end their life, um, and that's usually by a specific plan. They've usually thought about and established a specific means to to end their life, and their capability to self harm is is in motion at this point. So, this was the article that I mentioned briefly. Um, the title of the article is Suicide by Cobb Among Officer Involved Shooting Cases, and this was published in 2009. Um, so, they looked at um, officer involved shooting cases from 90 different police departments in the United States and Canada, and um, they took a look at every single deadly force and less lethal incident. Um, that occurred in these agencies between the years of 1998 to 2006. So this review took place um, over a period of about 18 months between March 2006 and January 2007. So they had three researchers that were um, looking at all of these incidents. Um, The total number was a little above 700. And the three researchers um, tried to classify particular um, properties of these incidents based on the incident characteristics. So the type of shooting that it was, if there were any fatalities, the number of responding officers. They also looked at subject data. So the, the victim or the subject that was involved in this incident, their demographics, information about their behavior, whether or not a suicide note was written, whether or not they possessed a weapon, um, or, you know, if there was any um, evidence of psychosis at the time of the incident. And then they also looked at outcomes, whether there is an injury or death to the to the subject, um, whether there was injury or death to innocent bystanders, or to involved police officers. Um, so they did, um, you know, obviously it's easy for one person to calculate, you know, to, to classify this incident um, under a particular category, but um, once they looked they looked at um, the three different researchers, and um, there was a correlation of about 88%. So they, there was an agreement in about 88% of the cases um, about classifying these individual characteristics. So um, ultimately, the, there was a lot of agreement um, versus disagreement when they were classifying these, these specific um, incidents. So, um, like I said, there was about 707 of these cases that were reviewed and 36% or 256, um, 256 of these were categorized as suicide by cop, and that included attempts or completions. And there was another 35 cases that um, were did involve a completed suicide or suicide attempt, but there was no evidence to, to suspect that there was a suicide by cop motivation or attempt. Um, so from these 256 cases, they were able to, to pull out some um, information about the, the subject. Um, the median age of the subject was about 35 years old. Um, 95% of these 256 individuals were male. Um, the breakdown um, of ethnicity was 41% Caucasian, 26% Hispanic, um, 16% were African-American, and 2% were Native American. And you know this might be a little bit different than what we're um, used to seeing here or what we may have seen here in New Mexico. But um, overall, the sample was, was taken from uh, different police departments across the US and Canada. Um, so they were pretty generalizable. Um, Marital status, 37% of these individuals were single, 13% were married, um, 10% of these individuals were um, separated, about 77% of these individuals were heterosexual, um, and they weren't able to to, um, determine someone's sexual orientation in about 20% of these cases. Um, So just um, a few more statistics, and I I won't go through every single one of these, but, You know, I I found this pretty interesting. So in about 18% of these subjects um, with children, issues pertaining to the children, either child support or custody battles were related to the the situation going on. Um, About 64% of individuals did have stable housing at the time of their incident. About one third of the individuals did not have any housing at the time of the incident. 80% 80% of these individuals were armed, and another 19% either feigned or simulated weapon possession, either with a toy gun or a firearm that wasn't working. Um, and in about 48% or you know, roughly one half of these armed subjects, they actually fired their weapon at police. How many? 48%, so roughly about 130 of, of the cases. Um, so 62% of these had a confirmed or probable mental health history based on the information that they, they gathered from, from the available database. Um, about half of them were judged to be experiencing some sort of depression or mood disorder. About 18% were suffering from a substance use disorder, 15% from some sort of thought disorder, something like schizophrenia or um, a delusional disorder. And then another 3% were um, possibly experiencing symptoms of a personality disorder.
0: What what does it mean by judge? Is that by the officer's perception or?
1: Not by the officer's perception, but the researchers that were going through the documentation. And um, so what they had access to were, you know, the the arrest reports. They had videos, um, certain photographs. They only spoke with the involved officers in about 10% of the cases. Um, so it was just based on the information that was gathered for each one of these cases. Um, and so there were, you know, so they they, may,
0: they may actually be low numbers. We don't know because they didn't have like medical records. Definitely. Okay.
1: And, um, you know, they did mention that, you know, there was a form of bias, like the confirmatory bias, um, to where, you know, even if the police officers did have information about, you know, their, the mental history of these individuals, there's not really an incentive for them to, to publicize that or to, you know, make that evident based, you know, in, in the records. Um, so, yeah, they, they they thought that the 3% um, of patients suffering from a personality disorder was a very, very low um, uh, prediction. Um, 4% of these had attempted suicide by cop on a prior occasion, and 20%, you know, roughly one-fifth of these, um, 256 individuals were described as psychotic, either having some sort of delusion or hallucination at the time of the event. I'm Sorry, I might have missed it. These were all people who died?
0: No. no. They
1: were involved in uh, officer-involved shooting okay. that was determined to be like attempted suicide. Yes.
0: Yeah. Attempted or
1: completed. Or completed. Um, so of these um, suicide by cop subjects, one half of the ones that were involved in the cases that were looked at were killed, 40% were injured, and 7% committed suicide themselves during the encounter. Um, 1% of the police officers involved were killed, 16% uh, or 40 were wounded, another nine non-law enforcement bystanders were killed, and another 30 were injured.
0: I'm sorry, those last two numbers are those percent? or No, they're numbers,
1: yes. Um, And they didn't really mention if if this were family members of the subject or if these were just, you know, people that were in the community, Um, but still a significant number of people that were were, um, injured. Um, So 87% of these subjects had expressed suicidal ideation between the point that it actually happened to two months prior. Um, About a quarter of these did so in the minutes prior to the event. Another quarter... um, had made some sort of suicidal communication during that same day, and 22% um, had expressed some some suicidal statements within a week of the incident. And these statements were often communicated to a significant other, um, a family member, or police. In a very small uh, percentage of of these incidents, um, so you know, I mean, even looking back to the video that we watched at the beginning. Um, an overwhelming majority of these subjects are non-compliant with law enforcement. So requests for them to either put a weapon down or to put their hand—you know—just being pretty um, oppositional with any requests from law enforcement. Ninety um, percent of these individuals aggressed against the police. Forty-nine percent were harmed or attempted to harm harmed or attempted to harm civilians um, from the time that police arrived to the time that the incident ended.
0: I mean, those stats say that. Twice as many innocent bystanders are killed compared to law enforcement in these. That's two and a half percent. Mm -hmm. It's wild.
1: So um, these are just some some clues to help um, possibly help identify a suicide by cop scenario. Um, So an individual is refusing to talk to law enforcement or to other people involved. Um, they're often making no demands or presenting no terms so basically not willing to engage in any tort, any sort of negotiation um, a lot of these individuals will be asking to be killed um, you know like that video that we we saw um, they will advance on police if, if things aren't um, you know moving at the speed they'd like um, and they oftentimes will reach for or raise a weapon um, and, you know, another thing that was mentioned in some of the literature is that it's not uncommon for people to rehearse suicide by cop. Um, not everybody knows what's going to happen when they call the police. Um, so, you know, think of a scenario where there's been a call made to the police. Um, once law enforcement arrives, the, the officer sees maybe that there is no need for services or told that the situation has resolved or the call was made in error. And the purpose of that contact may have been to kind of figure out, you know, what happens when the police shows shows up. Um, so, you know, they they recommended having caution in, in cases where, you know, people are being trying to be very persuasive that nothing's going on, everything's okay, and trying to sort of get law enforcement out of the out of the picture. So um, another article talked a little bit about positive and negative behaviors in suicide by cop situations. So um, the positive behaviors, these are things that may, you know, be hints that that things could end in a peaceful resolution. So if there's less interactive tension, if the the subject is speaking with a lowered voice, um, there's less anger over the course of the um, encounter excuse me, possibly less profanity, (coughs) diminished aggressive body language, and um, diminished threats of violence. And some of the negative behaviors or behaviors that might indicate that um, this subject may get more violent is being hypervigilant or scanning the environment. Um, They talk a little bit about a shoulder-to-shoulder view to where they're just, you know, scanning like the 180 degrees in front of them just to sort of, um, you know, and you'll see that behavior is sort of going back and forth, back and forth. Um, the change in respiratory rate. Um, so it might be one deep breath periodically, or it might be several deep breaths. And this is like, um, you know, a pretty crucial moment because this, you know, that pattern can be signaling the individual is ready to, to act um, in some sort of fashion. And then, you know, counting up or down. So that might be seen as, you know, counting like, okay, one, two, three. Or it may not be verbal counting, but maybe more of a rocking motion. So just kind of ominous signs that something is about to happen. So, um, a little bit about the aftermath of suicide by cop. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find a lot of statistics about. Um, you know, the number of, of officers experiencing symptoms, but, um, you know, it's it goes without saying that police officers involved in these incidents may often experience symptoms of PTSD. So that might be hypervigilance, sleeplessness, um, extreme anger, um, worsening anxiety, and this might affect their ability to perform their duties. Um, there was one article that mentioned, like, early retirement is pretty common um, after, um, Someone in law enforcement is involved in one of these incidents, and um, you know it's 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 a shame because they're you know innocent in these in these cases. So um, I think it's, it's important to remember that the police officers are also the victims in these cases, um, no matter what the situation is. Um, there's little control that individuals have over um, such a chaotic situation. Um, so just some conclusions to wrap up. Um, just based on everything that we've talked about, I think, um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, there, there was this thought that a, someone who is suicidal um, just has that sort of inward guilt or, you know, inward negative feelings and they're not necessarily a danger to others. But, um, you know, in these incidents, it's clear that suicidal individuals can threaten, injure and kill others um, in their resolution to, to die. Um, so 97% of um, the of suicidal individuals that are involved in suicide by cop incidents um, have a high likelihood of being injured or killed. And there's a one in three chance of others, that, that being um, police officers or um, innocent bystanders, being harmed during the incident. Um, so the apprehension of an armed suicidal individual requires a high level of vigilance, um, even though you may be trying to to you know talk someone down or um you know just interact with someone on a very personal level um these situations require a high degree of vigilance um in order to keep civilian other civilians safe and off other officers safe at the scene of an incident um, in some situations um suicide by cop is not the intention but just happens so this unplanned suicidality has the potential to transform into, like this, like solid resolution to die um, at the hands of law enforcement um, once this engagement with a police officer and a subject um, begins. So um, I think ultimately what what this is saying is to um, just be aware of of situations and how, you know how they have the likelihood to, to completely change um, within a matter of seconds. A lot of these incidents were over between, you know, in less than 10 minutes. So things move pretty quick. So here are some of the references. And um, I did send a, a copy of the article by, um, which, it was published in the Journal of Forensic Sciences, a Suicide by Cop Among Officer-Involved Shooting Cases, um, to Jen, um, in case anybody would like to, to see a copy of that. Um happy to answer any questions.